Matthew 6 and Luke 11 is where uh, the Lord's Prayer is at in your Bible. And different people will know it different ways, different versions of it. But let's start today's message by reciting the Lord's Prayer in whatever way you memorize it, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I heard some trespasses, some debts in there, some forgive us our debts and our debtors. You guys, do you guys talk like that normally? You say thine and thee and stuff like that. That's your normal way of talking to your friends? Okay, I'm just making sure because uh, I heard a lot of these and thines and stuff like that. That last part actually, uh, thine is the, or yours, um, is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. That's actually not in the earliest manuscripts of, of Matthew 6. And so if you look in your, your modern Bible, you won't find that in there. It was added just to kind of make the prayer easy to finish. Um, as tradition, and then over the centuries got pushed into uh, the Word, uh, but you won't find that in in your modern version. But that's the Lord's Prayer. You know it, and it's a response to a request, right? The Lord's Prayer is a response to a request from the disciples um, to Jesus, and it's in Luke chapter 11. What was that request? What did they say? It's Luke 11, verse 1. It says this, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So they saw Jesus praying, and they said, teach us to pray like you're praying. Teach us to pray. And then Jesus responds with the Lord's Prayer, with the Lord's Prayer. Now, a couple of thoughts here. As we look at this today, as we walk through today's message, I'm going to give you a few application questions for you to write down. Um, if you've got somewhere to write things down or take a picture of the screen or write it in your phone or something like that. But I'm going to give you uh, some, some uh, application questions. And, and right here, before we even get into the prayer itself, I'll throw two out at you. First of all, the reason the disciples asked Jesus how to pray is because they saw him praying. Right? He was praying and they said, man, I want something like that. I want to know how to pray. They saw this very active prayer life. Jesus was constantly getting away to be alone with his father, to reconnect with his father, to to pray to his father. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing for the gospel writer Luke to even include in his gospel account. He's going, there's this, there's this new rabbi on the scene. He's doing miracles. He's teaching with authority. It's amazing. Oh, and sometimes we can't find him, right? Sometimes he just disappears. So habitual was Jesus' practice to get alone and reconnect with his father and pray and talk to him and listen to him that the gospel writer Luke thinks to write it down. Man, sometimes we can't find this guy. And the disciples say, teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. So with that in mind, has anyone ever asked you to teach them to pray? Has anyone ever asked you to teach 
them how to pray. Do you have a spiritual habit of prayer in your life that is so central that people go, man, could you teach me how to pray? Man, I hear all the time, you're, you're always starting sentences with when I was in my prayer closet or when I was in my prayer time this morning or God spoke to me and said, wow, I, I want to pray like you pray. Can you teach me how to pray? Has anyone ever asked you to teach them how to pray? And the other question that comes to mind here before we ever get into the prayer itself is, have you ever had such a desire to pray that you asked someone else to teach you how to pray? Have you ever gone to somebody and gone, I, I want to know how to pray. Can you, can you teach me? Can you, can you help me know how to pray? When, when I read the disciples' request, I hear this deep desire in them. They're going, Wow. Look at how he prays. He talks to God like he knows him. He talks to God like God talks to him. It's like they have a relationship. It's like God listens to him and speaks to him. Man, I want that. I want that kind of a prayer life, but how do I do it? And it's interesting that the text says that, that just one of the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. Just one out of 12. So which one are you? Are you the one, are you one of the 11 hanging back, maybe embarrassed to ask for help? Maybe thinking you don't need help, you got this prayer thing figured out. Maybe thinking you're unworthy to pray like that. Maybe thinking you don't need to know how to pray. Are you one of the 11 sitting back? Or are you that one disciple that has such a burning desire to experience that kind of a prayer life that you're willing to step out and go, can you teach me that? Jesus, can you teach me that? Can you help me with that? I'd love it if you would teach me how to pray. So which one are you? Have you ever, ever had such a desire to pray that you asked someone else to teach you how? This disciple said, teach us to pray. Prayer is worthy of our time. All of us need to learn how to pray and, and make it our goal to develop a prayer life that gets other people interested in prayer as well. Teach us, teach us to pray. If you have kids, you know you got to teach them stuff, right? It's annoying. Like they keep needing to know how to do things. And you like have master's degrees and doctorate degrees and you're super smart people but you have to teach your kid, like, how to use a spoon. And you're like, man, this is kind of below my level of education, but I'll figure this out, right? And then you figure out that actually it's the opposite, that it's really hard to teach kids how to do stuff, and you need an education in that um, instead of whatever you got your degree in, probably engineering, if we're going by statistics um, in this room. Uh, but you got to teach your kids how to do stuff. And, and as a parent, you know, you can't just teach them what to do. You can't even just model what to do. You have to teach them how to do things. You have to model how to do things. So, you know, my daughter Hannah, who's three, she just learned how to put her coat on by herself, her jacket on by herself. And it's just because we were sitting there and we said, hey, uh, kids, go get your jackets on. We're leaving. It's cold outside. Get your jackets on. And she just kept playing, right? And I'm like, hey, Hannah, you got to get your coat on. She's like, I can't, I can't put my coat on. I don't know how. And I'm like, all right, come here. 
<laughs> and so I taught her how to do it, the toddler way, where you lay it down, upside down, you put your arms in, you flip it over. You guys know that? It's magic. Like you do it, what? She learned it like that, okay? She learned it like that. My, my son, Joshua, who's five, he, if I, or let, let me go back to Hannah for a second. If I just put my, if I just had my coat on, and I said, no, Hannah, here's what you need to do. You, you just put your coat on. See, daddy's got his coat on. Go. Wear a coat. That would be what she needs to do, but not how she needs. Are you tracking with me? Not how she needs to do it. So tying your shoes, you got to, you can't, I can't go up to Joshua and go, look, my shoe's tied. You need to sh- tie your shoe. This is, look, this is what it looks like. Go tie your shoe. Is that going to work with my five-year-old Joshua? No, I got to show him step by step. How do you tie shoes? So this prayer that Jesus gives the disciples and you and me, we've called it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not just for recitation. I mean, keep reciting it if you want to. I don't think that's a bad thing, but that's not really the intent here. This isn't about teaching the disciples and you and me what to pray. This is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Because you weren't born or born again knowing how to do everything. You may know what, but you don't know how. So Jesus gives us this model prayer to model our prayers after. So last week we talked about the first part, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray from a revelation of who God is, not just cosmically, but personally, like he's our Father, he's in heaven, he's all-powerful, he's holy. We pray from a revelation of who God is. This week we want to talk about the second part. In Luke 11 and Matthew 6, it says, your kingdom come, and then Matthew 6 has your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we look at this not only as what to pray, but how to pray, then what can we learn from this? What can we learn about prayer and how to do it? So here's the overarching point that I want to make today about prayer, and then we'll kind of break this apart, text, this text apart phrase by phrase and see what the Lord says. And like I said, I'll give you some application questions to write down along the way, and hopefully you have at least that much of a desire to pray that you'll write those down or figure out a way to remember them. But here's the overarching point I want you to think about. We pray from God's will. We pray from God's will. I want to challenge you with this thought. What's the difference between praying for God's will and praying from God's will. Because I think most of us understand what it means to pray for God's will. But if this is not just what to pray, but it's how to pray, if Jesus is teaching us a foundation from which to pray, not just a goal to pray towards, then maybe it's more than just praying for God's will, and it's really about praying from God's will. Maybe we're supposed to do that. Maybe God's will is the foundation we place our prayers upon. We lay our prayers upon. God's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. Because here's the thing. Theologically, prayer can be pretty tricky, right? Like, why do I need to pray if God's sovereign? 
If God is already going to accomplish his will on the earth, no matter what I do, then what's the point of me praying and asking for his will? What's the point in praying for God's will if it's going to happen no matter what? And this gets into a much deeper teaching on how the very biblical ideas of God's sovereignty and man's choice kind of interact and intersect. And I don't have time for that today, all right? I don't have time. Call me later. Just kidding. Don't call me, please. Not about that. So I don't have time for that, but if we're praying from God's will instead of just for God's will, then it kind of starts to make sense. It makes more sense, at least, if, if prayer isn't just asking for the stuff we want, not just sinful things like more possessions and more money and all that, but, but other things like health for our children, a, a wife for our son, the healing of our marriage. If it's not just asking for stuff, But it's more than that. If it's worship, if prayer is worship and thanksgiving, if it's listening as much as it is talking, humbling ourselves before God, drawing close to him as our father, then the fact that he's sovereign and all-powerful and in control, that would drive us to our knees in prayer, right? That would be a reason to pray, not a reason not to. To pray, It would draw us into his presence, and we wouldn't be praying for things and then saying, if it be your will, Lord, we would be in step with the Holy Spirit, praying from God's will from the start with confidence and conviction. God's will would be something we know because we know him, the foundation we lay our prayers upon. And if we didn't know God's will in a certain situation, we wouldn't be praying our will as a substitute. It would, that would feel weird. That would feel foreign to pray our will. And so in a certain situation, if we didn't know God's will, it would mean that we just press in further, that we spend more time on our knees listening to God, more time in study of his word, trying to figure out what his will is. And once we figured that, we would pray into that because his will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. You see how that's different? We should be praying not just for God's will, but from it. That's why Jesus says, start with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. When you pray, this is how you do it. Understand to whom you're praying. Pray from a revelation of who God is. And then pray from his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when he says kingdom here, it's a, it's a bit of a foreign concept for us, right? Like we as Americans, we don't, we don't like kings. We like to overthrow them, right? We like democracy. We like the rule of the people. We like voting. We like having our, uh, making our own way, individuality, having a voice, consensus, majority rule, all of that. But in a kingdom, it's different. It's different. Kingdom literally means the king's domain. The kingdom is wherever the king is in charge. And so when we not only pray the words, your kingdom come, but our prayers are based on a desire for God's kingdom and will to come, God's will to be done, then we're saying, take my will. God, take what I want. I have in me a kingdom that is hostile to your kingdom. A foreign power 
uh, lives within me. It's in opposition to your kingdom. So take over, God. Let your kingdom come. Invade. Take over. We're the knight kneeling before the king with our sword, saying, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, here's my sword. I'll take this sword wherever you want me to go. I'll do with it whatever you want me to do, O king. From now on, my life is yours completely. My question when I'm going to make a decision has changed from what do I want to do to what does the king want me to do. So this changes the way we approach prayer. We're not trying to get God to do something. But we're trying to get us to do something, right? We're not trying to get God to, to fit his kingdom into our lives. We're trying to fit our lives into his kingdom. We're trying to align our hearts with, with his. The seed from which our prayers should grow is this immovable desire to relinquish control to the king. Not, here's what I'd like you to do for me, God. But I still have a hostile nation, an enemy of the kingdom inside of me. I still have parts of my heart and my life that are not in the king's domain. Invade, Lord. Take over. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here. So here's, here's a simple application question for this. Here's... Here's how you take this from idea to real life. Not just, hey, look at my shoe. It's tied. Now you do it. But here's the how of this whole thing. If all this is true, then think of your prayers over the last, the last week, month, year. Is the heart behind them, the foundation of them, the common denominator of your prayers, is it, is it my kingdom come, my will be done? Or is it God's kingdom come, God's will be done? Write that question down. Are my prayers about my kingdom and my will or God's kingdom and God's will? One of the disciples in Luke 11 has this deep desire to know how to pray like Jesus prayed. So he goes, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus goes, okay, pray like this. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done and then he adds this part in Matthew chapter 6, on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Where do we want God's kingdom and will to happen? On earth, right? We want it to happen on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That includes me, my heart, my wants, my issues, my family, my circle. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's got to be more than that. It's more than just here in my little bubble of life and my people or, or central Illinois or whatever. It's on earth. There's a difference between earth-level prayers and, and me-level prayers, isn't there? There's a difference there. Because if we're praying from God's will, if God's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon, if prayer isn't just me asking, but it's me listening, it's me pressing into the Lord, into the Lord and His will, it's knowing Him more, drawing close to Him as our Father, then our prayers will start to look different, won't they? They start to include God's heart 
more than our heart. It comes less about what I want. It comes more about what God wants. And if God is anything, he's big, right? He's huge. He's global. If God is anything, he's global. He's not just my God. He's the God of the universe. He's not this little genie beholden to me. His concern is not just me and mine. It's much, much bigger than that. I mean, we're talking about praying from God's will, but but how do you know God's will? The answer is you spend time in his presence and in his word. You spend time in his presence and in his word. That's it. You draw close to him. You surrender your time to him. The more, the better. Just like with anyone else in your life, the more time you spend with them, the more time you spend listening to them, the more time you spend reading what they wrote, the more time you spend with them, the more you know them. You figure out what their heart is. So if you will spend time with God and his word, you will find out that his heart is for the world, earth, not just here, earth, all nations, not just yours, all peoples, not just yours, all families, not just Yours, because Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, knew him well. He was in his inner circle of three, not just 12, but in his inner circle of three. Knew Jesus very well. He wrote this in 2 Peter 3, 9. He said, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Listen to this part. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Everybody say all. And another member of that inner circle, John, wrote this. He is the propitiation, another word for atonement. He's the propitiation for our sins. This is the part you want to listen to. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2 about prayer. He says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Listen to this. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In my life, but not just my life, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, everywhere, earth level, not just me level, all focused, not just me focused. It includes me and mine, but it's more than just that. Those who haven't given their lives to Jesus, those who have. My teacher, my governor, my president, leaders of nations on the other side of the world, my church, my pastors, my life group, other churches in my area, other pastors, churches and believers facing persecution on the other side of the world as well. My kids, my kids' friends, other kids, 
The foster care crisis that's facing our state and our nation, orphan after orphan after orphan needing help. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Everywhere. All people. All nations. All families. This isn't about what to pray. Remember, it's about how to pray. Showing a five-year-old your shoes already tied doesn't help. So another application question for you to write down. If, if you thought through your prayers from today, this week, this month, or, or this year, are, are they all about you and your life or are they earth-level prayers? Are, are my prayers me-focused or all-focused? That's the question. Are my prayers me-focused or are they all-focused? So, so not just me and mine. On earth. But then... Not just on earth. He doesn't leave it there. He, Jesus goes, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. So think about that. How does God's will and God's kingdom operate in heaven? I've never been there. If you have, you can let me know afterwards. I've never been there, but I can imagine it's different than what we see here, Right? Like everyone in heaven is in a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone in heaven knows him. Everyone in heaven has found everlasting peace in him. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no doubts in heaven. There's no abuse. There's no injustice. There's no sin. Listen, beloved. Jesus said to pray this because if we're praying from his will, then it's possible it's possible that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So what would it look like to see God's kingdom here, his will here? What would it look like to pray that way at least? Instead of just, oh, that's, that's tough. God, comfort that family. Just comfort them. Or, or God, guide the hands of the doctors. Or help them to maybe come to church one day and check it out. Or, uh, God, help them find a good addiction recovery program. Now, those aren't evil or bad prayers, and sometimes it's God's will to work that way. But what would it look like to pray God's kingdom and God's will on earth as it is in heaven? There's no doctors in heaven. God, I pray that you would heal them 100% from head to toe, miraculously heal them. There are no doubts in heaven. I pray, God, that, you would, that your spirit would transform them and open their eyes to the truth, and they would be saved, right? Right now and right here. No, no addiction in heaven. God, I pray that you would give them freedom, everlasting freedom from this addiction. Mind, heart, emotionally, physically, the whole thing. I pray, God, that you would heal them and they would have freedom. What would it look like to pray God's kingdom and will on earth as it is in heaven? Remember, this isn't just a prayer to memorize and repeat. Jesus isn't teaching us what to pray. He's teaching us how to pray. So another application question for you to write down. Are my prayers here-centered? Or are they heaven-centered? 
as it is in heaven. Are my prayers here-centered or are they heaven-centered? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray from God's will. God's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. But here's, here's the thing. Praying God's will means accepting that much of the time our will isn't right. And it means accepting that it means accepting God's will no matter how difficult it is. There's a lot we can say about God's will for your life, and we could debate back and forth about that. But here's one thing I'm totally, completely sure about. God's will for your life will not be easy. God's will for your life includes difficult times. God's will for your life means a hard road. God's will does not mean an easy life. It doesn't mean comfort all your days. It does not mean everything is fixed. Sometimes to get to ultimate healing, meaning we're in heaven with Jesus, we have to go through some very serious and difficult sickness here on earth. To persevere and make it to the end, the Bible says that we'll need to face trials of many kinds sent by God himself. To understand another person's hurt and be able to minister to them, oftentimes God will send us through some pretty difficult hurt in our own lives. In order to keep you from, from worshiping stuff and ending up in heaven with, I mean, ending up in hell without it, sometimes it's God's will to rip every last thing from your greedy, glory-thieving little hands. Was that too harsh? I'm just saying that God's will is different than ours. Our will is no suffering for ourselves. God's will absolutely includes suffering. The Bible is full of people who did exactly what God wanted them to do, and it just went bad. They were thrown in prison. They got sick. They were beaten. People they loved died. They were murdered. I mean, have you ever thought about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Another time, Jesus is modeling prayer to his disciples and to you and me. It's in Mark 14. He goes to the garden with his disciples, with all of them, and then he, he takes that inner circle, Peter, James, and John, a little bit further. The Bible says that he's deeply distressed and troubled. Look at verse 34 of Mark 14. And Jesus said to them, Peter, James, and John, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here while I watch. And then look at verse 35. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. So he prays, I, he says, I don't know if I'm going to emotionally be able to survive tonight. And then he prays that this hour might pass from him, not a 60-minute block of time, but a larger period of time in which he knew he would have to face excruciating pain and suffering and punishment. And then he prays that, that if there's another way, God might do it differently. Look at verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Abba basically means Daddy. And so you can hear the desperation here. Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Do you hear what he's saying? 
Is there another way? Is there another way to do this? Please remove this cup from me. I don't like what I'm having to drink here. There's some serious desperation in the heart of Jesus. But look at the last part. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. When you pray from God's will and not yours, you're saying, not my will. My will can be wrong. My will is usually wrong. I want comfort, ease, luxury. I want health. If I'm honest with myself, my happiness is my my chief concern in my life. Not my will, but your will be done. If you're praying from God's will, you're saying, if I have to go through suffering, I want your will. If it never leaves me, I want your will. If I don't get the job, I want your will. If I have to have sickness in my body for a time, I want your will. If sickness never leaves me and you withhold healing until I'm in heaven with you, Jesus, I want your will. If I have to change, I want your will. If I have to submit, I want your will. If I have to pick up and move my family to another place, then I want your will, God. No matter what happens in my life, I want your will. That's what it means to pray from God's will and not just for it. It's going, gosh, it'd be great if I didn't have to drink this cup. But I know that's not how it always works, God. I know that your will includes suffering and it's difficult at times. So it'd be great if you would take this cup from me. But not my will. Your will be done. One of Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray, Lord. Or teach us to pray. If you asked him the same question today, Jesus would answer in the same way. He'd say, pray like this. Let's say it together. It'll be on the screen this time, so we'll read it in this one version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray from a revelation of who God is. Pray from God's will. God's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. His will and his kingdom instead of my will and my kingdom. All focused instead of me focused. Heaven centered instead of here centered. Next week, um, we'll tackle the next part. Give us this day, or each day, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy today that is ever-present in our lives. That when we go to meet with you, we know that we can do it with confidence because of your grace and your mercy. God, I pray that we would somehow... Holy Spirit, that you, would, that you would help us take that next step towards you in accepting your will in our lives and praying from it and asking for it and 
God, pressing into your spirit, your presence, your word, so that we can know it and we can pray from it. We can live from it. God, I pray for the person in this room who has yet to surrender their lives to you, who has yet to be that soldier who offers the king his sword and says, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I pray that today, for the first time, the first time that really means something, the first time that transforms their lives, I pray today, in this moment, right now, that they would say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my heart, in my life, in me, just as it is in heaven. I pray that they would ask your kingdom and your will to invade their lives and push out anything that's hostile to your kingdom, God. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, if that's you and you've yet to give your life over to Jesus, just do it right now. Just ask God's kingdom to invade. You can't fix yourself. You can't get there by yourself, but you can ask God's kingdom to invade your life and transform you, and he will. He will transform you. So just say that in your own words, in your own heart. Give your life over to him. Surrender to him. Surrender to his kingdom. Lord, I pray that the seed of your gospel today would find good soil, would go deep, create roots and someday bear fruit. As always, I pray that whatever was of me today would be quickly forgotten, that whatever was of you would be remembered, would haunt us this week, would not be easily forgotten. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for you today. You have such a hunger for prayer, coupled with such humility that you ask God and maybe some mature Christians around you to teach you how to pray. May God's will be the foundation you lay your prayers upon. And may you see God's kingdom come and his will be done in your life, in your community, in your family, and in your world, just as it is in heaven. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Make sure you talk this over with the life group. This week, if you're not in a life group, stop at Connection Central. We'll get you plugged into one. That's how we do church at Great Oaks in life groups every week in circles rather than rows. And as always, my challenge to you is to take what we've talked about today. Don't just take your next step towards God, but go out and help others take their next step towards God. Open Matthew 6 and Luke 11 and talk to them about the will and kingdom of our God. Be a Jesus follower who makes in disciples other Jesus followers. God bless. See you next week.